Hey everyone, and welcome to IBM Think Leaders podcast. Today, we're doing something a little different. We're having a one-on-one conversation all about the human side of AI. Joining me is Donna Griffin, who is the founder and CEO of Inner Wisdom. Happy listening. Hey everyone, and welcome to IBM Think Leaders Podcast. This is David from the Think Leaders team. Really excited to welcome Donna Griffin, who is the founder and CEO of Inner Wisdom to IBM Think Leaders Podcast. So Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, David. I'm really excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. For our listeners to give a little bit of background about who you are and, and the perspective that you bring, I'd love to hear a little bit about your own personal background and your work at Inner Wisdom. I believe that the wisdom of our elders is the most valuable and the most perishable resource that we have in the world. And the reason I believe that is because I was raised in Transylvania by my grandparents. And without even realizing, I just surrounded myself with elders my entire life. Yeah. I always find the elders that have the highest credibility in a certain area that I need help with. And I ask for their help to drive my big decisions in my life. I spent the majority of my career in advertising, actually. I started in performance marketing, very data focused, then translated that data focus into social media. And I became the CMO and partner of a social digital agency. From there, I moved into the startup world and I was CMO and chief revenue officer of a data company. So back into data and I had a relatively linear progression in advertising and data Mm -hmm. until my number one, my top elder, the closest person to my heart, who is a mother figure to me here in New York, passed away from brain cancer. That was really a big shift for me to really look at what I have done with my career so far and where I can make the most impact. Where do you see the role of AI in capturing some of that wisdom? If if you're saying that inner wisdom is all about making sure we don't lose the wisdom of, of elders. Let's start with AI in particular. When we talk about AI at Inner Wisdom, my company with with our team, we talk about it more as IA, as intelligent algorithms, because I'm surrounded by data science and machine learning Mm -hmm. engineers. So when we talk about AI realistically, AI is more of a commercial term, right? We talk about machine learning, natural language processing, very specific modeling, and then creating some really beautiful models around how we see wisdom. We define wisdom at the highest level as the triangulation of knowledge, context, and credibility. But truthfully, when you really start digging into the data as we have, you notice that there are hundreds of attributes around wisdom, around recognizing wisdom. So our job is to make wisdom recognizable. We find wisdom in every single elder. And if we're able to make that wisdom then survive the individual and be useful to society, then we have won. And we have won not just for inner wisdom for our company, but we have created something that the elders can own 
and put to good use for the rest of their lives. And we have created a new knowledge base for society. What have you found in your own kind of work with inner wisdom? What kind of perspective are you having with where we're at right now in 2020 with kind of this flood of information that we have? That's a great question. And I think it depends what we're applying it to, right? So if we look at data and information applied to healthcare, there's so much beautiful, very simple data that looked at it differently and processed differently can make huge advances in healthcare. And that's amazing, right? Mm -hmm. But when we think about AI, and in particular, there's all this talk around AGI and how do we get to AGI? I believe that the linear transition from data, machine learning algorithms to AGI doesn't exist. I think that approaching it that way will be a failure. The only way that we can go from having intelligent algorithms that can help solve one problem very well in a container, if you Mm -hmm. may, to something that can actually help us develop new solutions for some of the biggest issues we have globally is by taking in as much of our humanity as possible and mixing it together with the technology. That's one of the things that we're hoping to do eventually with the wisdom base that we're creating. So what kind of reaction do you tend to get when you tell people that you're trying to kind of bring more humanity into AI or even maybe changing our conception about AI? Is this something that people intuitively understand? One question that I get a lot is, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And frankly, that's that's one of our secret sauces. <laughs> that's something that we've patented now. Um Everybody feels compelled by the idea that we have to be more human in the way we look at everything. Let me give you an example. The way technology has worked for our generation, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm in my mid to late 30s, is that technology has disrupted the way we work and think as humans. We've adapted to technology rather than technology adapting to us. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing that our elders have done, and now the very young generation is doing, is that they're using technology in a way that's very human. Mm -hmm. They're using voice. They're using video. They no longer type forever, right? So I think depending on who we talk to, understanding that technology should not be a disruptor, but should be part of our natural process and additive to humanity resonates with everybody. So I guess we should kind of flip the script a little bit around and ask, how would you want AI to capture your own wisdom? Everything that gets built that's really interesting has to do with a personal pain point, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I consider myself a wisdom seeker. We look at the world as wisdom givers and wisdom seekers. And we think that wisdom givers must have at least five to six decades of life and love and loss and lessons and pain that gets them to actually train their own wisdom. Wisdom is as unique to your body as your DNA because the human species is the only species on earth that propagates both by leaving behind their genes and their wisdom before death. So in your 20s, 30s, you have the biological clock again, where you feel the need to propagate by leaving behind your genes. But for the first time in history, because we live longer than ever, we believe there's a secondary evolutionary clock that kicked in for humanity. We're calling it the wisdom clock. In your 60s and 70s, you start having this need of leaving behind a legacy, of telling your story and sharing your wisdom. 
And that is absolutely beautiful because that is how humanity actually progressed. Wisdom is to our heritage what DNA is to our genome. So now let me bring it back to me and hopefully everyone else, right? I have not yet reached the point where I have the need to share my wisdom. I am still at the point where I have the need to take in and learn from wisdom, right? And when we think about wisdom very, very specifically, we think about the difference between knowledge and wisdom is a difference between how to and how do I. How do I involves not just the knowledge, but the context and the credibility that helps me make a decision. The World Economic Forum has estimated that only 22% of the global professionals in artificial intelligence are female, with the United States coming in just slightly higher at 23%. I love your perspective on that, that statistic, how we can go about changing it for a positive direction, and then really your own experience about carving out your, your path in AI. So I think when we look at AI, and especially when women look at AI, They have to understand that it's not just the engineers that have been coding for the past 20 years that can get into AI. No, it's even more important that philosophy students get into AI, that psychologists get into AI, that people that have very high levels of compassion and empathy get into AI and that they're welcome in this realm. I'm quoting some research from the AI for a Good Global Summit from Geneva last year. There's two types of AI practitioners. The A-type are the ones that are adapters, the group that looks at AI, understands it very well, and looks at ways to adapt it to protect humanity. So AI Now, for instance, which is run by two incredible women in New York, is part of that. They're involved in policy, they're doing research, they're uh, bringing to light biases and issues with current AI. The second group is the Bs which are the builders that look at AI as solutions to big problems for humanity. That is the group where I don't see enough women involved. And that's where I think we need it even more. You're really getting at uh, the idea of having a multidisciplinary approach to AI. That's that's also a topic that has, has come up a few times. We've had shows about that. How do you think we can truly move the needle on that? Do you think it's a, a situation where... A lot of these people who are from diverse backgrounds might not even think about this as a career path. Is it because they feel like they need to have that as more of a a central part of their education? What are you seeing as the hurdles or blockers in this area? The way that we're looking at the industry right now and AI and frankly, the investment that's going into it, anywhere from AI for surveillance to AI for good, the need for talent is incredible. And the need for talent is broad. There's a need for marketers in AI. There's a need for human resources in AI. There's a need for philosophy in AI. So if people around the world, especially women, start thinking about AI, it's just a new technology that has all the needs that all the other technologies do, then they're going to start thinking about ways to get involved. For instance, I am not an engineer myself, yet I'm building a company that's using multiple ways of machine learning, natural language processing, LDA modeling, and we can go on and on about this to bring our vision to life. So why do you think that you're not seeing a lot of folks in that 
B group of solutions? Is it, you know, something dealing with representation? Is it dealing with mentors or lack of, of mentors? Uh, do you have any thoughts or, or viewpoints on that? I think it's a little bit of a combination of everything, but I think it's also cultural. When we look at B types, when we look at building completely new solutions with completely new technology, I believe that sometimes women feel like they might not be ready for it yet. When in fact, they're probably more ready than our male counterparts, because we're the ones that in everyday life have to come up with solutions to fix things. And a lot of times we don't think about the way we even come up with solutions in the household, taking care of our elders, taking care of children. We're continuously problem solving. So if we start applying that same thing that's completely innate to us to scale and using technology to seeing how it scales, I believe that we can frankly take over the field. You know, something that's come up occasionally on this show is maybe a need for transitioning from focusing on small level problems like, hey, make sure I can get my pizza delivered faster versus larger problems. How do you think we can go about transitioning into more of this AI for good type of uh, mentality? I think it's incredibly important that each of us thinks about how life could be easier. It's very easy to get trapped in the everyday life of you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you do what you're supposed to do. If you just take five minutes a day and notice something that irks you, it could be that simple. From the fact that, let's say, when you're reading the newspaper, you notice that every single time you read about climate, it really upsets you. Okay, that's a real big problem. It really upsets you. Is there something there you could do about it? You do not have to be a Turing Prize winner to do it. You don't have to work for the World Economic Forum. I believe that some of the most beautiful and creative solutions come from regular people. As long as they can get access to the help they need to bring it to life, I think we're going to see a new generation of a lot of inventions. So what's the best format to transfer and receive some of this wisdom, right? I'm thinking specifically about the brevity of online communication, like mm. Twitter, let's say. Uh, a mm -hmm. lot of times it's, it's about wittiness and again, brevity and, and a short kind of quip. Mm. What would be the best way in the future to, to receive that important information? So we look at the most beautiful and important way of sharing wisdom is through storytelling. Understanding where does your wisdom come from? How did you accumulate it? How did you earn it? Because wisdom is earned. What makes you credible? What are you the wisest about? Where can you contribute to humanity the most? What will your legacy be? And how will that legacy matter potentially centuries from now? We believe and our research shows that every single elder has something that will matter centuries from now. It's our job to help them give it. I'd be curious, uh, Donna, from, from your end, what's the first kind of phrase or, or image that, that comes to mind when you think about artificial intelligence? Benevolent. Benevolent, really? Benevolent. Okay. Artificial intelligence, in fact, technology at large, is as scary as people make it. I think we're far from having sentient <laughs> AI if you want. And I think that's what people are scared of. And frankly, one of the reasons people are scared of is because there's a lot of misinformation around it too. 
there's two ways of looking at it. There's the way that Elon Musk talks about AI being very scary while also trying to put implants in your brain. And then in practice, you can look at certain countries like China that use AI just today. They're using AI to flag people based on hundreds of different data sets on whether they are safe or not to travel or whether they have been in contact with coronavirus. I think this comes back a little bit to to regulation and legislation, right? So a lot of groups are trying to look at what is a set of global regulations that we can impose on using AI for good. Then even specifically with with IBM recently signed on to the AI for good or looking at risk that mm-hmm. the that the Vatican proposed, right? So it certainly seems like a topic that a lot of people are considering now, right? It's great that somebody of IBM's level signed up to that. But the truth is, unless we make that a global initiative that is enforced globally, it's not going to work. So are you optimistic about the prospects for global cooperation around artificial intelligence? I don't think we have a choice. I think that we have to look at how to best use AI and the rules around it, just like we look at climate. We can talk about Paris Accord and who pulled out of it and who did not, but we'll (laughs) leave that for another story. But we have to look at it as climate and nuclear proliferation. We have to have a global standard on AI that we all adhere to and that where there's issues where they don't adhere to. Right now, it's a free-for-all. A couple of times on this show, we've had individuals uh, like yourself who've done extremely well in AI, but don't have the engineer background. And they've discussed how that has sometimes thrown people off. I'd love to hear about your own background or history with that? Is is that something that that oftentimes comes up when you're speaking, let's say, for investors for your company or or others as you're growing uh, inner wisdom? My background is I've used data for 15 years. Back when I was in performance marketing, I was buying lists. I was Mm -hmm. augmenting lists. I was using it to make decisions before we were talking about AI. AI is just allowing us to use that data more efficiently than I was using it back then. So having a data background and having a very clear purpose has made it easy for me to have that conversation with investors, with employees, with board members. Also, our team and our board is made out of a combination of very prestigious influential people in aging and in AI. So that's been very helpful. I also teach myself every day about this. There's no way the engineers can build something that I don't understand. Well, that's what I'm curious about. And and that that is a major, major focus for IBM is, you know, this movement towards AI for everyone and having digital and AI literacy. Mm -hmm. How do you personally go about educating yourself and how how would you recommend others to have that maybe enhanced exposure to understanding AI? I think you have to start with what you're comfortable with. I particularly started thinking about AI from the viewpoint of the data set. I have this data set. What are the things I can do with it now? And what would be the ideal craziest thing I could do with the data set? (laughs) And then I started thinking, okay, are there any algorithms right now that could help me get to the ideal crazy stuff? Now, my engineers have been trying to get me to learn Python. I've signed up for Python courses, and that's just not the way I learn. When they sit me down with our data set, I pick it up very fast. I'm fascinated in particular with the correlations between deep learning and human learning. So I approach 
all of my own AI learning through the human mind. From that perspective, I was also looking a lot into neuroscience and cognitive behavioral science, because it, if you look at the data set technology, neuroscience, they all come together and, and philosophy. Yeah. They all come together and converge into probably the raw materials to what we think of as AGI. It's a <clears throat> great way to end the, the, the show. Thank you for coming on IBM Think Leaders Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. This is fun. Hey, thank you for listening to our podcast. We, we really appreciate it. If you know somebody who would enjoy this uh, IBM Think Leaders podcast, tell them all about it and get them to subscribe. Thank you. <laughs>